This is Coda Radio, episode 107 for June 23rd, 2014. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hey, good night, Chris. <laughs> oh, are you sleepy, Mr. Dominic? I'm always sleepy. I know. It's been my thing lately, too. You know, I have a Fitbit that tracks my sleep, and uh, the last week has been devastating. <laughs> it's not been good at all. I And you know, the worst part is, even though I'm exhausted, I got so much going on now, and this normally isn't a problem for me. Normally, like a podcast or a, an audiobook will knock me out, but I cannot fall asleep these days. I've been, just got so much going on, you know? Mm. You ever have that problem where it's just your head spinning at 100 miles per hour and it's like... All the time. All yeah. the time. Uh, yeah, it's... Oh, oh, it's the worst. So, yeah, I have not been sleeping very well, so I'm there with you. I feel you, man. But you know what? We're still going to have a good show today. Absolutely. We have uh, we have a good topic lined up, and I think you you nailed it perfectly when you kind of gave it just the, the title of slowing down a bit. You know, is there a difference between you know comfort is there a difference between laziness comfort and just expertise and experience like maybe you just know what and this is something i have found myself too where like sometimes i'm like why am i not pushing myself harder to work on thing x and then in the back of my mind i go it's because you've done this a hundred times dude you know you've got this you don't have to worry about it and then every now and then i'm like oh i gotta push i gotta push i gotta push uh so there's a lot of interesting things we can explore there plus we've got a lot of really good email this week great feedback Thank you guys so much for sending in so much good stuff. We're going to get to some of that. This is sort of the calm before the I.O. storm. It, uh, Google I.O. 2014 kicks off on Wednesday. So we got a little bit of time. I tell you, I hope Google impresses Mr. Dominic because I'm ready to go live in a cabin for like a month. I don't think they will. And Chris, I have some wonderful news to share. Oh, yeah? FizzBuzz has claimed another soul. <laughs> you know, we got an email from somebody who's like, uh, what's that thing that Mike keeps talking about? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, what happened? Well, someone came, couldn't pass FizzBuzz. Kind of the normal thing here. Oh, you mean the the, the standard affair now? Well, I yeah. guess uh, if people aren't listening to Coda Radio, then that's their own fault. If you're out there, go see. Make sure you can pass the FizzBuzz test before you go talk to somebody to get a job. Please. Yes. Please do. Okay. Email uh, came in for, this week from Dalek. And, uh, yeah, that's that's how you say it. Uh, he's responding to episode 106. He says, hey, guys, great show. I'm not a dev by profession, but I have to work with him every day. So watching Code Radio helps with the translation. I wanted to impart some feedback and advice to a question that was posed during episode 106. The writer was going to be leaving the armed forces soon with a CS degree and was worried about his chances of finding good employment. I would echo something that Mike said. You have military experience. I work in the D.C. metro area, and I have found that in the past, companies around here are more willing to take on someone with military experience who is trying to enter a particular field. I'm not sure if this is still the case, but some contracts, it was considered good practice to have X number of ex-military on our payroll. It's even better if you know how to do what you're supposed to do. (laughs) My other piece of advice would be, I would take some time to figure out what the current trends are that interest you. Now, this is an interesting point because we also got an email from someone else who's leaving the armed forces kind of in the same situation as our previous emailer. Uh, So this kind of uh, is a response to both of their emails. He says, get some practice to hone your skills in those areas. I have been in the position before to select between candidates who show initiative of learning on their own. To, uh, To me, it means you learn without the need of immediate incentives. That might be just to get your job or over someone else. My only caution is to you is to be prepared to be tested. If you say you have been studying why for six months, they might ask you questions about why and that someone with beginner intermediate skills should at least know. Good luck. And this from Dalek. So it's good advice there for our friends leaving the armed forces that are looking for some yeah. development jobs. 
And good to, hear, good to hear someone echo your thoughts that the military experience will be a benefit for them. It, it, it's so rare for people to echo my thoughts, really. <laughs> Unless it's in some sort of sarcastic kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that Dominic. Uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Voldly writes in. And uh, he's feeling my groove this week. He says, uh, hey, Chris and Mike, I emailed you months ago about being totally burned out. And I'm still in college. It's been many months since then, and I'm totally back into programming and actually doing an inter- internship in a big company. I'm very thankful for my early burnout since now I understand how to avoid it. The reason I got burned out was anxiety and high expectations with all my projects I had, very high spe- expectations from myself, and felt disjointed when I could not meet them. So it made me stop building things since I felt I had even since uh, it made me stop building things since I felt sad even after completing them. The negative feedback from myself was too much. The anxiety was the second biggest factor since I would think about my code all the time and could never look at the big picture. Also, since I was thinking about it all the time, the negative feedback from the high expectations was greater too. As soon as I fixed them. As soon as I fixed them, I was back having fun even more than before. And now for my question. All right, here it goes. Mike, you designed some software that doesn't necessarily would uh, you yours just jeez, this is horrible. Mike, you designed some software that doesn't necessarily be built upon or uh, you know what? I can't even read his question. Sorry, buddy. You got to you got to reformat that and send it back in. But I liked his first part about the oh. anxiety and the feedback. I can't read it. It's literally unreadable. Brutal. You want me to, right. Mike, you designed some... No, 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 some, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. All right. No. I'm just saying. Right. You know what? And also, part, we're, we're, we're clamping down on emails on the show a little bit, and some of these yeah. emails are getting way, way, way too long. Like, that email was way too long. And I, I, didn't, I didn't throw about a dozen emails into the show this week because they were all way too long. Now, here's what you guys could do, is if you want to expand upon it so that way we have more information, put, your, put the part you want in the show, like the paragraph, and then, you, you know, underneath that, expand upon that. Or if you want to have a big conversation, have that in the subreddit. We really want your feedback. So I'm not True. trying to harsh on that because you guys have been awesome this week. But they're way, we cannot read books on the air. We can't do it anymore. Well, it's too long. All right. Uh, we do have one more book, though. No, actually, this one's not too bad. It's just a paragraph, and then we'll so, uh, wrap up. So wait, up. Let's, let, let's respond to the, the oh. portion of the email you did yes. actually read. Okay. So the burnout thing. Um, that's going to happen... And the best way to deal with it, to be honest, is just to unplug, right? Don't worry about it. Get away from tech. Don't listen to podcasts. Go read a book. Yeah. Yeah. Go read a book. Boy, that's not a bad... Don't listen to podcasts. Hurts, but you're right. It cuts deep, but you're right. It cuts deep, doesn't it? Because, you know, just don't think... Put your headspace somewhere else. That's why I want to go to a cabin. I'm not kidding. I want to get the F out of here. There's a cabin Matt's been telling me about. Doesn't even have cell signal. That sounds amazing. No messages. No internet. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that, that, I mean, really, you, you know, because really, you got to remember, you guys. I don't, I don't think when the brain evolved, it had our current existence in mind. It did not expect all this crap coming at us, all of this connected stuff, the internet, none of it. And so sometimes we just have to acknowledge the limitations of our gray matter and give it a rest and shift gears for a while and just live a different existence for a little bit. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching from somebody. I'm, I'm not, I don't practice what I preach, but I want to not. one day. No one does. Yeah, no. Okay, well, our last email, and then we'll wrap up on the feedback mostly. Yes. Dwayne writes in on Apple's ecosystem. He says, hey, Chris and Michael, I really like this episode of Core Radio last week. I just wanted to comment on your observation of Apple and ask a question. Apple does have an advantage with their ecosystem. Eventually, Microsoft and Google may have to do something to counter it, which I would argue they are right now. Uh, my question is this. Will Linux also provide a cozy ecosystem for coders also? You know, like Ubuntu and SUS. Uh, uh He says sure. he does agree with the Play Store having issues, but maybe somehow Linux could... So what do you think? Mike, can Linux offer an ecosystem for developers? I could and will are probably two very different things in this case. Is it possible? Sure. Is it likely probably not right well and in some ways isn't it already like at the infrastructure level at the kernel and the server side stuff i would say i mean yeah that's see i read his email a little differently i was thinking more of like the app store yeah i think he was too i'm just saying yeah there is that aspect sure i mean if you want to count like the kernel the server side kind of thing then linux is one of the largest platforms right but if you want to count like commercial proprietary for sale apps in quotes right Probably not. Well, and I think it depends on how you look at it because 
I think what Linux offers is sort of the SteamOS advantage, where if you want to control, if you want to build a platform, if you want to make a platform available to people and you want to own the stack, then mm-hmm. Linux is the tool you use to build that. So where uh, right now most developers aren't going to jump on SteamOS because it's not big enough, but if there's, you have, so you have to be a certain size, and maybe once SteamOS gets to a certain market penetration with a company like Valve behind it, it will become a platform that offers exclusive incentives for developers to target. Maybe that'll be through the Steam store, it'll be through some sort of hardware support that they've integrated with a third party or whatever it is. There Maybe eventually SteamOS could be a platform with incentives. And I think that's what Linux offers is the ability for somebody to go out there and say, we want to control our platform's destiny. We want to, it's a, it's a crazy amount of work. Most people can't pull it off and even fewer people successfully pull it off, but we want to give it a shot and build it from end to end. Or you look at a company like DigitalOcean where they want right. to build a product they can offer that whole that their entire stack is linux based right so it just kind of right. it depends on the you know i for just for joe developer creating desktop apps uh, i think things like i don't think so yeah i mean i think it's it's not it's not linux per se it's more like the desktop environments and the toolkits right uh, speak- yeah I, I, it's it's also the monetization model is going to be hard yeah 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 uh, for desktop for sure too uh, all right. Well, speaking of Linux, let's talk about our first sponsor, and then we'll jump into our topic of the day, and that is Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get a discount on Linux Academy. So what is Linux Academy? Check it out. Go over there right now. You can save $5 a month by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. They've got step-by-step video courses, downloadable and comprehensive study guides. And when the course when the courseware needs it, they spin up their own virtual server. And one of the things I've mentioned is the great thing about the model that Linux Academy has is you get new courseware as it's introduced by them as part of your subscription. So they've just added uh, AWS SysOps Associates, and they've also just added the Hybrid Technologies AWS course. And two new self-paced Linux labs are coming this week, one for Nagios and one for RSync. And they add these in here, and you just continue to get access to these. You get the course material. You get the step-by-step video guides. You get the self-paced labs. You get the test, the quizzing. It's really cool because you get to keep track of your progress. As you go, Linux Academy allows you to pick up right where you left off. So if you've just got a little bit of time one night, you can work on it and then stop right where you're at. Next time you log in, Linux Academy will say, hey, brah, this is right where you left off. And if you're part of a team, if you're a group, they've also got team discounts available. I think the integration now with AWS will spin up an AWS instance for you during the testing or a Linux box so you can do real-world scenario testing. I think that's extremely awesome. I think it's one of their very unique advantages, linuxacademy.com slash coders. They always have great stuff coming. New stuff on OpenStack is there as well. Core syllabus includes live labs. I think that's really important because you'll actually walk away with experience with S3 or experience with setting up Nginx or Nagios or all kinds of things. GitLab. If these things are important to you, if you could know just a little bit more about these things at your own pace, during your own time, and make yourself a little more effective, give yourself a little more time during the day because you become a little more efficient, or maybe get that certification that lets you charge a little more, or makes you a little more hireable, but you can do it at your own pace, under your own control. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go check them out. Why, we've got an awesome discount. Get $5 off a month. That's a great deal. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go see what I've been talking about. Go log in, even just for a little bit, and try out some of the self-paced labs. Download some of the course materials. Watch some of the videos. Listen to some of the audio. Check out their AWS instances. It's pretty awesome stuff, you guys. I mean, it's an incredible resource that this team has built from the ground up, and I'm really impressed. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. All right, Mr. Dominic, I uh, I feel like you have an itch to scratch this week on our topic, uh, a little bit about slowing down. Tell me what's on your mind, sir. I do, I do. So, yeah, I mean, over the last, I'd say, couple months, kind of been honing in on the the tool chain we've been using, kind of, you know, not experimenting as much as going with what works. And uh, that's been great. But... You know, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that there's a but. Okay, I just felt like you might have been building towards one. No, I, I. It's interesting because you know every week there's four or five new JavaScript frameworks that come out, right? Yeah. And, and it's starting to realize that these don't really matter. Right, I mean, let, let's look at this, right? You have Ember JS. I'm just using JavaScript because they're easy to pick on. Backbone. I'm just typing this into Chrome right now. So if you type in Ember.js v, 
you'll get versus angular versus backbone versus knockout versus jQuery. <laughs> Yeah. And I could keep going down on this list if I really wanted to. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now myself. Right. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, at the end of the day, does your customer, certainly the end user at least, really care if it's in Backbone, Ember, yeah. Angular? But it does take your time. It does take your focus to track these things. It takes your energy Absolutely. to try them. You know, you it rattles around in the back of your head. Should I be should I be experimenting with a side project with this? Am I missing out on something? Could this be doing this better? And you really get in that position when you're stuck and you're frustrated and you just are looking for a solution. And you start thinking, "Gosh, maybe this could do this better." That has to happen, All right, right? Ready? I typed in Rails versus. Then you get Django, Node, PHP, Sinatra, ASP.NET, ASP Classic. It's crazy. Right. Certainly there's the grass is the greener on the other side yes. issue. But I'm starting to, you know, are we really solving problems that have to be solved with all this new crap? Hmm. Well, probably not in most cases. I mean, are right. probably just solving them in new ways that are better for some things. Well, it's interesting, right? Because so Rails, right? Rails solved the problem of dev itself took a long time. Yes. And Rails optimized the crap out of your workflow so that you could get something developed quickly. You know, MVC was just copying Rails, and all the .NET guys just died a little bit inside. <laughs> um, you know, PHP was optimizing for insecurity. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, I, I have to do it. And Node is optimizing for concurrency. But how often do you actually need that much concurrency, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the people who do make a big noise, right? Because they're right. yeah, they're high traffic. Right. They're, I mean, yeah. they're they're you know when you're when you're Twitter and you outstrip the power of Rails and you need you know to do some crazy JVM half and half thing, awesome, right? You're Facebook and you need to write your own you know PHP to native code compiler, great, right? There, there, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that people on the high end need to do and are super vocal about. Is it is it weird that I, for some really lame reason, find a comparison between what you're saying and the smartphone industry too? Like I find like – I guess what I'm saying is I feel like there's a bit of an industry now around these things that hype it up. Like the tech journalism right. and the dev journalism, like they hype up these things and get everybody thinking about it. But they're not actually people that make things, that use these things for extended periods of time. They're just people that generate a lot of discussion and a lot of blog posts and a lot of tweets – it sort of gins up interest and makes things sound more important than they really are when people that are actually just nose down getting work are kind of like looking at it and going, oh, okay, that's interesting. It's a neat new thing. Well, it, you know, it's funny. It's kind of like my response to Node, right? That's awesome if I need concurrency like that. Um, but 99.99% of the time, I just need to get someone, you know, their budget's less than what we would bid, so we need to go lower. Oh, Rails, we can get it done faster. <laughs> Therefore, meet their budget, right? So your your point too here is that not only is it sometimes uh, uh, not solving a problem, but sometimes it doesn't even solve the problem better. Well, my, my point is also, you know, as I think you go on, you gain a certain level of knowledge yeah. in a number of technologies. Yeah. And you know, for instance, if you ask me to throw up a backend, I could do it faster in Rails than I can do it in anything else. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Java Play might be a close second, but probably not that close, right? Um, I, I'm just starting to to wonder if, as a community, are we wasting a lot of effort here? And I'm not I'm using Rails as an example, right? I'm not suggesting everybody should go become a Rails developer. I'm just saying that do we need like thirty thousand MVC frameworks hmm. for, for backend web development? You know, do we need? Um, You know, I'll give you a great example, right? So I don't like Swift very much. Yeah, right? I've noticed. But Swift is at least solving a problem. It's a problem that I don't think really needs to be solved, but <laughs> it's solving the problem of Objective-C is based on C, and C is hard for stupid people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Apple wants to widen the net and make iOS app development cheaper by flooding the pool with crap. Fine. Yeah. yeah. But to me, that's actually legitimate, even though I'm bitter and angry about it. Because you're solving a problem by adding this technology, right? Um, you know, the, uh, what is it? A, uh, what's replacing Dalvik on Android? I forgot the name. I just read a good article about it, too. Oh, uh, it's killing me, chat room. What's replacing Dalvik? Is it like Arc? No, that's not Arc. No, it's not uh, Arc. No. That's the Apple thing. Art. Thank you. A-R-T. Art. 
that's solving a problem, right? It's going to be faster, and you're not going to have to do a ton of work to make your your stuff faster. Right. Awesome. Yes. That's great, especially on really crappy low-end Android phones. Anything the platform can give you is a huge improvement. That right? seems like that seems like a worthwhile time investment. Right. Android runtime. Thank you. That's. I'm. I am down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm so down with all the all these extra MVC frameworks or. You know, we have Backbone, we have Ember, we have Angular. Did we need all three? I think it's wasted effort. Exactly, Richard. Exactly. We finally agree. (laughs) You know what I – and the thing is, is like I think at first on the surface, it's like, oh, well, what's the cost? What's the problem? You have all of these options. You just pick the right tool for the job and just code on and be happy. But I – you know, I that's what I would have said uh, 107 weeks ago. But now that we've done this show, uh, we get emails every single week from developers. They're right. talking about how overwhelmed they are tracking all this stuff, and they, it gives them insecurity about um, right. about you know uh, their ability to keep up and all of that, and it, it it burns them out. Well, it's funny because you know there's definitely as we've been doing the show in the beginning, I felt a lot of pressure to kind of keep up, even though I normally might not have tracked everything. 107 weeks in. I, I, I realize it doesn't matter, right? Right. Because if if the same customer came to me and said, "We need this app. We need it to be a you know a database enabled app. Uh, an app could even be web app, right? What are you going to do it in? Uh, do you really care? You know, I almost <laughs> like, feel... I'll tell them, but do, do they? Right. Right. Like I, I almost feel like this is the trend of technology in general. Like it starts out, it's it's really agile. It's all over the map. You gotta you know you really gotta stay with it. And then as it sort of matures and evolves. You know, the practicality sets in, and you just kind of you find what works, and and you just kind of stick with it. And isn't that maybe just what we're seeing sort of a shaking out here a little bit? Well, I don't think we are, though, right? I think there's certain voices in the community that are starting to say, who gives a crap? Um, but I, I think – I actually think we're seeing the opposite. I think we're seeing more duplication of effort. I think we're seeing more – you know, particularly in the web development space, you know, everybody's got to have their own freaking framework. And to be fair, iOS had the same problem for a long time where everybody and their brother had their own networking library. Hell, I have one <laughs> that the obnoxious Zane Swafford ported into Swift <laughs> just to piss me off. Really? Wow, yes. he's all in, isn't he? He did it in less than a day. I was very annoyed. Wow, he is totally. Yeah. It's negative in the freedom dimension yes that was clever ironically you cannot run swift on xcode 5 so i was totally unable to test it or look at the merge request (laughs) (laughs) so it sits (laughs) it sits until i can download xcode 6 oh that's too funny um yeah which i could do i just don't have time what would i mean i'm I'm teasing a little bit right and i'm making fun of myself because i also did the networking thing but you know, a little networking library in Objective-C takes maybe a month or two, even less actually, because it was really, really fast. An entire web development framework takes a long time, right? That's probably more than one person. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm starting to wonder, you know, if if we didn't have Ember, Angular, Backbone, and the 8,000 other JavaScript libraries, let's say we had three, right? Let's say we even have two, like Pepsi and Coke. Would those two choices be awesome? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Instead of 30,000 mediocre choices, how about two really good If we choices? just could focus. Right, if we could focus a little bit and all understand that we can't each Is own it, our own but, little... But when we see that in the technology industry, doesn't it always lead to stagnation? Well... So I guess I would ask you an existential question. What is stagnation? Is it stagnant if it works fine, gets the job done, and doesn't cause you know some horrible security risks? Well, look at XP, right? You could you could you could you could say XP was all of those things—a great stable platform for developers to target right. for ten years. They knew exactly what they were going to get. But on the flip side, there's a lot of freaking things that were held back by XP, uh, especially in web development and um, application and security. Right, so that, that would be true stagnation, right? I think there's a difference between stagnation. I think there's two extremes, right? One extreme is stagnation where you're living in IE6. I think that's what you're getting at, right? Yeah. And the other extreme is what I think we have in the front, certainly the front-end web development community right now of everybody's got to own their little corner of GitHub with their own library that they're promoting, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that nobody should open source things. In fact, I encourage people 
you know, I, I open source as much as possible, right. but I don't, I don't aggressively promote my stuff to get folks to use it. Right. It's not an I ego. Open, it's almost like an ego right. thing for some of them. Right. Exactly. It's, and hey, that's a great way to market yourself as a freelancer. Or yeah, but don't lead me around by the dick and make me waste my time right. for your ego. And don't, you know, you know, some of the claims on the, particularly on these JavaScript libraries are kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like, don't tell me it's going to, you know, change the world of concurrency right. or whatever, yeah. whatever you're going to tell me. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a solution. Like, with the many things that are complicated, this is more of a discussion. Right. And the, the one thing that's starting to really stick out to me is that, you know, I can do a lot in Rails, Ubuntu, and Objective-C. Do I really need to go bother and, you know, at what point am I actually doing a disservice to a customer by right. experimenting on them? Right, right. Like, yeah, very much At so. one point is it malpractice? And, and at what point, on the other hand, is it malpractice to not Stagnate. change? Right. Exactly. That is a very tough line to walk. And, and how do you know if you're properly answering that question without following these things? I don't know. I mean, I... I I, I, what I've taken to is following the big ones, right? Yeah. So I follow what's up with the Ember people. I follow what's up with the Angular people. And I, I kind of drop off of Backbone, even though that's the one I actually use, because Backbone actually seems to have slowed down a little bit. Well, and not, um, I mean, not to turn this into an obnoxious podcast plug, but one of the things that I do is I find people that I trust their opinion on the situation, or at least people that I know what right. their biases are, and I, I, I feel like I'm comfortable with that. I'll take an example. Like I don't particularly follow the internal politics of Microsoft all too closely. However, if I if I follow Paul Thrott and Mary Jo Foley, I pretty much have my bases covered, and I can reach out to Ed Botter. You know, I can extend out from there if I need to. And I, for me, that's how I, I sort of do meta coverage. But even that is quite a bit for some people. So what I've been doing is I follow a few blogs because I'm a big reading person, but also mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. podcasts, like you say, from each community. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, not not to plug another podcast, but Ruby Rogues. I like them a lot, even though they go sometimes they go weighing into nitty nitpicky crap. But they have a good handle on the Rails community in particular. Um, and if there's something major that you need to know about, they know it. Right. And exactly. They cover it. Exactly. Now there's eight thousand other Rails podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, right. Yeah. Uh, I follow one or two Apple podcasts, but again, there are you know eight thousand of those. Right. I would say the only thing I haven't found is a good Android developer podcast because I don't know if that's just the nature of Android development because it's kind of Java and it's kind of right. Yeah, I sometimes yeah. listen to Twits all about Android, but and and you know right, the, the guys right. there do a good show, but uh, um, you know they will never have a bad thing to say about Google in their life, right? Everybody on there is very right. very you know fanatically supportive of Google, which is fine for a podcast, and that's a particular kind of podcast that appeals to a hell of a lot of people. Uh, but I don't, you know, I sometimes I like to hear both sides of the story. It is a little more difficult in the in the Android space, um, and and I'm not particularly. I think part of it. So what you're saying about uh, about uh, you know all of this, it honestly, is starting to apply to me when it comes to right. technology a little bit. And I almost wonder if that is almost detrimental to my job because I'm beginning to lose interest in things like uh, I noticed. Like I have no motivation to buy any of the new consoles. No, and that's not normal for me. Normally, at least from a technology standpoint, want to see what they can do. But now. You know, like the little amount of gaming I do, Steam on Linux is fine. Uh, mobile devices, I'm, I'm, I've gone from somebody who has to have every premier Android phone, somebody who might have bought three Android phones in a year, to somebody who's get, thinking about maybe just switching to a feature phone and not carrying an Android device anymore. Right? I'm making all of these, like, I, I, went, I, went, I went all in on, on some of this technology. Now I'm kind of, like, burning out a little bit and going, you know, this is just... It's not worth it. I'm not getting enough out of it anymore. I don't know what it is exactly. And, and part of it, too, is like, you know, the more stuff you accumulate, the more stuff you have to manage and own and keep up to date and have power for and have networking for. And it just, you know, it gets to the point where I have an entire corporate infrastructure worth of technology. And I'm looking around going, oh, I'm managing technology constantly. So I, I kind of burn out from that angle, too. I don't know if that's a, a type of burnout or just a type of um, changing of view over time. Uh, but I, I got to think too. Some of it is like the mobile industry just isn't quite as um, proto-explosive as it was. You know, it was the big bang right. for a few years there, and uh, now the universe is sort of materialized, and the planets are sort of slowing down and established. And 
I kind of look around the universe and go, oh, okay, well, not quite as cool as I was hoping, but whatever, I'll go with it. You know, that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm not quite as enthralled by it as I once was. I don't know. I'm turning into a minimalist. Maybe that's what it is. I know. We're, we're, all, we're all becoming old, grouchy men here. That, that, that's really what's happening. Yeah, I'm a con says, yep, Chris needs to take a vacation. I do. I need to go in a cabin. I was thinking what I ought to do is go detox. I got to go. So Matt was telling me about this cabin where there's no connectivity. I go stay there for like a couple of days with no internet, no smartphone, no nothing. And I go through withdrawals. And then I come back desperately appreciative of my technology. <laughs> You think that Very would work? Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't, I don't know if that would work. I got, I got, I got something. Speaking of frameworks that uh, was sent into the show, I wanted to share. Is there any other thing on on uh, our uh, main hoopla topic here? That you no, want? I think we're good. I think I would ask though the uh, listeners if you want to kind of go over this a bit in the Reddit, we could follow up again next week. Yes, very much. Would like to hear your guys' thoughts on this, and you can also email us, uh, but try to keep it briefer. But we'd really like your feedback is um, one of my favorite things about this show, you guys. So we really do appreciate it. It's, it's Chris wants to hear from you as little as possible. Well, no, I just like everybody to be brief. But the subreddit is great for longer form stuff uh, because then other folks can jump in and, and uh, take advantage of your effort and insights there. Uh, before we go to uh, a great pick this week, I want to thank DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODERJUNE. Just a little bit time left to take advantage of our June promo code and give Coder Radio a boost. So what is DigitalOcean? Holy crap. Man, am I glad you asked because this is going to solve some problems for you. Check this out. DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. And that is absolutely legit. Users can create a cloud server in about 55 seconds and pricing plans start at only $5 per month. And for $5 a month, you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, and a blazing fast CPU. And they're going to attach all of that to one terabyte of tier one bandwidth. And this is the thing about DigitalOcean. This is the package. It's unbelievable the kind of density you can get on a 20 gigabyte SSD with 512 megs of RAM on a Linux box with modern CPUs. It is unfreaking believable. And you can get two months for free when you use our promo code CODERJUNE. DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, and Amsterdam. Their interface is simple. Their control panel is super intuitive. And power users can replicate that control panel with their straightforward API that I hear rocks. Go over to DigitalOcean.com. Check out their SSD-only cloud infrastructure. Check out how easy it is to spin up a DigitalOcean droplet, to back it up, to replicate it. They have secure networking, so you can have front-end servers and back-end servers. It's all running on top of KVM virtualization, which is some of the best in, one of the best in the industry. And they wrap it all up with that amazing intuitive control panel. And when I talk about some of my current frustrations with technology... Honestly, when I think about packages like DigitalOcean and what they offer, it kind of gives me hope that we are at least on the right path. DigitalOcean shows you how you can take something as complicated as virtual machine provisioning up in the cloud in data center locations around the world, how they can provision something for you and make the UI so accessible you can do it in under a minute. It's fundamentally game-changing. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODERJUNE when you check out I really appreciate a company like DigitalOcean who locks in on something and then just iterates and iterates and has grit to make it better and better and better every single month. DigitalOcean.com, promo code CODERJUNE. And a huge thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. It rocks! Okay, so we've, we've talked a lot about PHP. Um, some good, some bad, mostly bad. Uh, but we did have a little love that came in from uh, viewer Scott. Scott writes in. He says, uh, hey, Coder Radio, I wrote in before about a PHP environment, and I heard about that 17-year-old asking which framework to use. I think that was in last week's episode or the week before. He says, now, MVC definitely takes some time to wrap your head around and learn. One framework I definitely recommend and was just yelling when I heard the question asked on the show is Yi. Or I think it's pronounced Yi. It's Y-I-I. It is simple, lightweight, straightforward, and creates a structure, but it also doesn't get in your way with templates and restrictions for specific methods. Ultimately, you decide how little or how much you want to use the framework. In this situation, Cake or Sympathy are, or Sym- Symphony are a little overkill for him, in my opinion. Not to say you can't get over, not that complicated is bad, but check out Yi, Y-I-I, and we have a link to that in the show notes for a peach. So there you go, a little PHP love. Hey man, you got it. You know we love everybody except for people who use PHP. What were we cool. talking about? Wow, wow. 
You know, you talk about not getting distracted by the shiny. Well, PHP, my friend, has been around for a long time and has served a lot of people quite well. I know. It's it's a horrible truth. Uh, I have one more question I thought maybe we'd answer just because I – I don't know, man. I wasn't like I wasn't totally down on our our Google I/O predictions, but I felt like we got really kind of on an anti-Google bandwagon towards the end. All justifiably, well, I kind of felt like. But uh, Cerebral Vortex eighty six wanted to know. He was curious after the Google Bash Fest, as, as he put it. Do we really think that Apple or Microsoft are any better, or are they just kind of equally as evil in this regard? And maybe Google is held to a higher standard. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that. Um, I actually think it's 100% the opposite. And in fact, I think that's one of the reasons I feel compelled to push back so much is because there is such an army of people who have been bought over by Google's, per, you know, proclaiming of openness yeah. and summer of code, which is, I mean, Google generally has some good stuff and that people see that and they, you know, they, they attach that and they have a hard time thinking that one company can on one hand do something good and the company can also do something bad. Yeah, I, I actually kind of feel like I agree with you. Google gets a huge, huge free pass. And I think it's like on technology too. Like I think there's stuff in Android that is absolutely unbelievably still bad and nobody mentions it. Or, you know, the Nexus 7 tablet ships and it has a flaw where if you drain the battery all the way down, it goes into a reboot cycle and it affects thousands of Nexus 7 owners and yet not a big deal. So, you know, you're probably not going to agree, but I, I feel like Microsoft in particular gets a really, really bad rap. No, I do agree. Okay, I mean they've obviously done bad things. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the, you know, they're no reaping ass- what they've sowed. Right, but no one assumes when Google releases something that it's evil. Uh, yeah, when Microsoft releases something, people are always like, "Oh, they're going to." Uh, I, you know what I think? I think Google is shitting their not to swear. I'm sorry. I think Google's crapping their pants over the public image that is beginning to form around them. Yeah. I, I think, like, if you look how they just bought Dropcam, but they buy them via Nest, so that way they can say, oh, yeah. don't worry, don't worry, Google's not in your home, it's Google's Nest. Google's not in your home, it's Nest. That's crap. Exactly. That's crap. I mean, even if it's absolutely legit now, it won't be in five years, right? I mean, it, you can, but they're doing these kinds of things, and, like, um, when they buy, this is uh, going back to Into the Plex, when they buy data centers in towns and stuff, they buy them under fake company names so that way people don't get freaked out that a Google data center is going in their town. So, I, I mean, devil's advocate on that one, right? They probably do that, and they definitely do that because if you look like a smaller company, people are more right. willing to negotiate with and you. Security and security reasons and all right. that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure. But I think they are very aware of a, of a growing my, – my, I – I think it's a, one of the reasons they do that. I don't think it is the reason. I think they are aware of a growing public opinion that is beginning to change, and they are trying to combat that as much as possible, but also still push forward what they think they need to do next. I think that's fair, yeah. I, I, it's a tough problem for them to solve, right? Because one of the issues, you know, and I, and I don't want to hit this too hard because I've gone on about it before, yeah, yeah. is that when Google enters a market, they release their product for free, at least at no monetary cost, right? That effectively levels the playing field. And not in the everybody's even way, but levels as in, you know, burns it to the ground. It becomes a race to the bottom. Right. It, it makes it very destructive. I don't know if there's any way to to do that and not be evil, right? And I mean evil in the, you know... Actions speak louder than words kind of way? Well, I kind of mean it, to be honest, in the antitrust sense, Um you know, Microsoft ended up in antitrust court because they were using their weight to strangle potential competition, right? Well, certainly anybody who's thinking of doing a paid email service like Gmail or anybody who wants to do you know, paid documents uh, via your web browser is going to have a hell of a time. You know, I think that's some of the reason uh, – I think some of the support for Google comes from the fact that they're kicking Microsoft's ass. I think there's still some of that original OG Microsoft hate that's fueling the love for Google. But not even Microsoft. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the next Microsoft, right? I'm not thinking about you know, Microsoft. They're an enterprise and gaming company, but they're really an enterprise company. Yeah, right? they're, they're going to be. They're going to be fine. They're going to be just fine. I mean, they're not even going to ever. You know, they're not even the next IBM. They're going to do better than IBM. Yeah, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. Um. But certainly, you know, Microsoft in 1989 would not be in such good shape. Wouldn't be able today. to exist today. Right. I mean, they might. They'd be. In a lot of trouble. Yeah. But technology changes, you know? 
Right, but at what point is it a natural evolution or just, you know, a very powerful force taking advantage of their market right, position, being hostile to developing companies? And that's I, I'm not I guess I am suggesting that they are, but I'm not you know, there there's this whole bandwagon that the government should pursue them with an antitrust case. I'm not sure we're quite there yet, but definitely you know, if I'm Google, I don't know if I'm releasing too many more products for free. Yeah. Because that seems a little tone deaf to me, right? They might not have a choice because they spent $4 million alone in 2014 so far on federal lobbying. And they have an army of lobbyists. I have an article in the show notes from coast to coast at the state level that are participating in state-based policy issues that affect Google. Understandably so because they have initiatives like Google Fiber and self-driving car and privacy issues that they have to work out at the federal level. But uh, Google now has one of the largest lobbying arms in the technology industry. They, ha- they literally have an army of lobbyists. See, that's the thing. Google is not really a tech company anymore. They are a major industry, right? They're a major enterprise now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're one of the number one advertisers in general in the advertising business, uh, right. which is a multi-billion dollar business. And every, every tech company that gets to a certain size has to have lobbyists. Google used to have none, and then they sort of... And they, they paid dearly for yeah, that mistake. And the, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I, you know, I'm not condemning them for doing it. It's the well, way the, the crappy system is not- it, it, they're not all bad, right? I mean, certainly some of their lobbying efforts, uh, particularly against the telco industry, are, I would think, in everybody's interest. Yeah, I love them kicking the ass of uh, you know but, ISPs who don't want to up the bandwidth, and, and then they come right, with Google Fiber and shake it up. I mean, anybody who bitch slaps Comcast, right? you know, that's fine. And, and Can't be all again, bad. But Comcast is, again, that kind of player who's so big that they can wield so much influence to shut down smaller competition. Or frankly, a competition that's not even that small, right? I.e., Time Warner. Right. Um, it's tough. It, it, it's going to be a long fight, and you know, there's this other thing. You know, this Apple v. Google v. Microsoft. None of them have to lose for Google to win, because Google is playing a totally like Apple only wins when you buy an Apple product. Right. Right. Apple has the most simple business model on the planet. They make shit. They charge you a lot of money for it. Yeah. Microsoft is in this weird place where they make software. They kind of charge the guy who you're going to buy that product from for right. the software, but you never really pay them. Right, it's, yep, it's, yep. It's a really weird indirect relationship. Plus they have reoccurring services. and They're more – they're really a software company, right? Right, it's right. It's such a Nadella is right, right on the mark. Google is like – Hey, the first hit's free, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Google's kind of... Hey, man, try this. Don't, don't worry, kids. <laughs> this is a pixie stick. Like, Google's a little creepy. Uh, well, and I I wonder where does Amazon fit? Because I, I think Amazon might be the person, might be the company, the group. I think Amazon, them. yeah, they want to be like the Walmart version yeah. of uh, Apple, right? And they've they're got their own, of... they've got their own platforms now. They've got everything from, you know, they got e-readers, tablets, phones. I mean, they're I, really... Fi- the fire is a joke. I mean, the only way that would have been interesting is if they sold it for 200 bucks I, flat. I mean, I, don't, nope. I, I totally agree there. However, people in the mumble room have told me, hey, you know, my folks are interested in the fire. Amazon at, at, at like, uh, at, you know, and I could see that some of the older folks in my family, too, have a really, really, like, trust Amazon. Like, they've, they've grown to really trust that brand. And, like, they're all Kindle owners. They, everybody in that, this, and I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of the wife's family. They've all bought Kindles, right? Like, they're all into it big time. So. It's complicated. I mean, but even then, even then, Google still kind of wins. Even though it's a reskinned Android, it's still Android at the end of the day. Right, that's the thing. The thing about Google is it, Google doesn't win or lose based on your purchase. Right. Google wins. When you do a Google search. Even even not, right? You may, you know, you could be one of those guys who's like, I hate Google, I'm not going to use Google. Uh, and you go on some guy's website and he's got Google ads. I mean, this big, you, yeah, yeah, that's so true, yeah. You don't actually need to be a Google customer for Google to win, and I think that's a very strong position to be in. So don't you think, then, long-term, the company that has the least chance of succeeding is Apple? Because you got Amazon's going to be Walmart, Google is going to win regardless, and Microsoft's got a solid future sort of spread out between licensing and reoccurring services and cloud and all that kind of stuff. It's Apple that has the least amount of flexibility, and, um, I mean, right now they have some market incentives with software and hardware integration, but how long can that last? Well, there's always going to be a high end, right? And I think that's where Apple ah, kind of lives. Right, right. Which explains right. they hired that retail chief who came from that right. swanky shop. I mean, I, I think Apple is going to be your, you know, a, a business I know a little bit more about is retail sales, right? Not that I, I didn't work in it, but 
past customers. Long story. Not interesting. You, if you're a store, you don't want to seem too rich for your clientele because you don't want your client, your customer to feel kind of low class when he's in your store, right? So for instance, if you're Walmart, you're not going to dress your place up like Neiman Marcus. I don't know, Chris, right. if you're familiar with no, that No, I'm story. following you. I'm following you. Right. If you're Nemus Marcus, you're sure as shit not going to be as dirty and hire the staff that Walmart hires. Right. Right. So you need to know your customer. And Apple, yeah. Apple's definitely Neiman Marcus, right? You know, I, I could see, like, so you see Wayux or Way, Way UX, every saying his name. He's like, well, the Apple fanboys will keep Apple alive. And that is such an old, dated way to look at it because they, they sell – Tens and tens of millions of phones a quarter. That's not fanboys anymore. That's the yeah, general that, public. That, that, well, you know, again, I like the retail analogy really well because I think that's right. They're going to be the high end brand, and that's right. a lot of people. There's a lot of people there. Like a lot of folks shop at Walmart. Fewer folks shop at Macy's. Even fewer shop at Neiman Marcus. But you know what? Neiman Marcus is doing okay. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, yeah. I think that is what it is, and I yeah. I, I suspect that. Um, you know, uh, they will they will operate in that space. It'll be they'll become a smaller right. and smaller part, but because the the uh, revenue is still there, the revenue per unit is so much higher. Yeah. They're still going to be a powerful force. Yeah. Don't forget, Apple's one of the richest companies, if not the richest company in the world. So, this idea that Apple somehow want to downslope from a business fundamentals perspective is kind of bull, right? Right. Um, well, it's interesting though because I mean, I. I see that, but I also see like, boy, Google really seems to have the really winning long-term strategy here. Like the really like, you know, Skynet going to control the world. They're hooked in on advertising. They're hooked in on search. They're hooked on, on you know, automation now. And I think in I.O. we're going to see a crap ton more automation stuff come out on Wednesday. And I think you're going to – I think after – we're going to look at Google after Wednesday and go, okay, the strategy that Google's taking here is a little more clear. And it's just unquestionably I think they're going to succeed. Maybe. I mean maybe they won't, but – I. So, so my question is, if Google wins, and, and again, it's probably not a zero-sum game, right? But when Google wins, who loses? I, I think there's some obvious losers. The ISPs are losers, right? I mean, they're, the road is going to be dumb pipes. Um, hmm. to, to be honest, the person I see in the weakest position is probably Amazon. Only because I don't see, other than like the Kindle, and I mean the, uh, uh, with, you know, the reading Kindle. I forgot the name of it, the Paperwhite. Yeah, you're that talking is. from a platform standpoint? I'm talking from a platform standpoint. Yeah. Develop, and, and of course, this is a developer show, developer mindshare. I never think about Amazon. No, yeah, other of course than not. I, I mean, I purchase a lot of things on Amazon. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos has my credit card number tattooed on his ass at this point. <laughs> yeah. But, and that guy should buy me a beer. I mean, come on, how many planes have I paid for? <laughs> But yeah, I want my I want a drone with my own name on it. Right, I, I want a personal drone that just works for me. Exactly, <laughs> I can send them little missions. <laughs> you know, deliver this Mac that I overheated to the Apple Store and Freehold Go. Well, it's got to be from it's got to be Amazon Primeable. That's the only downside. Oh, oh, fun fact: never order a computer on Amazon ever. Oh, really? Go bad. Uh, dead pixels are not fun. You have to oh, deal with shipping it back and then yes. the manufacturer fights. It's a pain yes, in the ass. Yes, very much. But back at the point, I mean, where where did these Android devices fall in? I get that they're cheap, and I kind of got the tablets, but these phones are not cheap. No, the motivation for these phones is it, it does sort of befuddle me. I think you're right. The pricing's weird. The right. AT and T exclusivity is weird. That makes no sense. It's, and it, it's <laughs> right? it's really to me what it is is Amazon's trying to find a compelling way to put a cash register in your pocket. That's the wrong motivation to come at it. I mean, yeah, I believe they've worked on it for years. I read, I, I had a story in Tech Talk today about Lab 126 where they've worked on it since like 2009. So I know they've worked really hard on it, and I respect that. And I don't mean to downplay it, but honestly, it seems like the origination of the motivation for this product is to just get me to spend more money on Amazon. That doesn't make me want to buy your phone. Just like the real reason Android is, exists is for additional data points in, in tracking – doesn't for advertising doesn't necessarily make me want to buy an Android device either. Now sometimes there's enough features that uh, you know are enough to compel me to overlook that and still use it. And maybe if I was huge into Prime streaming, maybe because you get a free yeah, year of Prime. But it seems like if know, I'm already I, into Prime, I don't need a free year of Prime. So I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't really know what the deal is. I'm. 
Now, do you do you think it'll still succeed? Do you think you know the thing is? It's, it's oh, funny I, is, I think I think it's going to crash and burn. I, I don't I'm know. Always wrong. So I don't know if you saw the picture, but Bezos was doing his uh, job style keynote, and they had a graph of uh, Kindle sales over the years, and the bar graph goes up and up and up every single year. No numbers on that graph. No, no, no y axis. No, 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 nothing. No numbers at all. Just number. Just bars that go up. They never release numbers. Well, hey, listen. Numbers aren't resolutionary, right? You know what's resolutionary? <laughs> Making up words based on other words. (laughs) And 3D cameras. Right. All right, Mr. Dominic. Well, why don't we leave people with a little bit of, like, pro tips. Number one, we want your feedback over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Click the contact link and choose Coda Radio from the dropdown and send in your thoughts. Also, if you got a little extra time, you want some more podcasts in your ear hole, go over to Jupiter Broadcasting and check out Tech Talk Today. Episode 13 came out today. And while we're talking about Google stuff... Saw rumors that HTC might be working on a nine-inch Nexus tablet. Oh, don't tease me. Do not. I, listen, have you played Threes yet? No. Oh, go get Threes. It's available on Android now. It's been available on iOS for a while. All right. Fantastic game. All right, I will. Also, Chris, do you know what's good to do while you're listening to podcasts? What's that, Mr. Dominic? Work. That's true. Now, I know a certain company that's still hiring. So let me just go ahead and paste this in the chat room here. Yeah. Uh, fingertiptech.com. Fingertiptech.com slash, wait for it. Hashtag jobs. Hashtag jobs. There you go. Check that yeah, out. Yeah. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Fingertip.com. If you're in the, do you want them to be local though? Preferably in the area, yes. Okay. All right. So uh, be on the East Coast and uh, hit up Mr. Dominic over there at fingertiptech.com slash Hashtag jobs. Because what else? Right? Oh, that's the wrong show. Of course, what else would you do? Hashtag jobs. Why not? That's what I say. Well, I'm hoping that the ghost of Steve Jobs comes back and is like, this sucks, this sucks. Then I'll know I'm really in business. <laughs> that would be awesome. The haunting, as they call it. All right. Well, uh, we'll keep our eyes open for Google I.O. and probably cover a few follow-up items. And also, I'll be covering the keynote live on Tech Talk today on Wednesday. So join me at jblive.tv, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern for that. And then join us next week for our take on the Google I.O. and all other kinds of shenanigans. Mr. Dominic, anywhere else you want to send folks throughout the week? Like a- uh, how about fingertiptech.com? Just in a very general way. And also check out Fingertip Tech on Twitter and all other kinds of goodies. You can find me on Twitter too, twitter.com slash chrislas. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>